Good morning, church. I'm excited to be able to share um, Utah with you. For the past three years, I've had the privilege of being a part of the uh, mission teams that have gone out to Utah to help out Kirk and Kathy Schull. Um, Art City Church is a church plant in Springville, and we at Westwood have partnered with them by sending teams, by um, financially giving, and by holding the ropes through prayer. So Kirk and Kathy, with their family, um, Lana, Andrew, Hannah, Susanna, Mariana, are proclaiming Jesus in an area of our country that um, is deeply religious, um, but um, no real relationship with the one true Savior and God, Jesus Christ. Each year, their community has a festival, fair-type um, event called Art City Days, which um, you... Art City has a booth, and we spend a couple days uh, making baked goods to, to sell. And the purpose of that is to raise money for the Art City or Springville area food pantry. And we also go door-to-door, -door and we have many, many, many opportunities to have conversations with uh, the people there in Springville. This outreach has given Kirk and Kathy also the... Um, opportunity to be out there in their community. Uh, it's been exciting to meet new people, and it's also been exciting when we go back to others, once we've met in the past, come up, oh yeah, I remember you from last year or from two years ago. So that's been really neat. Dialogues have been started, visits are being made, and the gospel is given, it's worth all the hard work. So um, I was thinking, the time that I spent with the Shoals, just how, how we can pray for them. It's really hard as far as having solid Christian friendships and relationships. Um, we kind of take that for granted here. And just as they're teenagers, um, they're, they're kids for friendships for them as well that are, that are believers and that will encourage them in their walk. Their whole family, this is their ministry. It's not just Kirk and Kathy's. Their children are very involved in it as well, and they, they love to serve in any way. And it's been really neat um, to be a part of that, just the daily activities and routines is opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to serve the kingdom. And I reached out to Kirk and Kathy this week, and so for what's going on not only in their church, but in their community, their board area, and in their family. So I'm just going to read some of their, what's going on. It's really exciting to see how God's working. Um, Art City Church has seen many changes since the first of the summer. As you know, uh, two families that were a, a big part of the church have moved out of state. And so since then, uh, God has brought other people into the church. A man and his 87-year-old um, mother have been attending. She left the LDS church two years ago and has trusted Christ. Her son is also a believer and just pray for wisdom as they seek to minister to her and her son. A 20-year-old man also left the church about a year ago and professed faith in Christ. He's meeting with Kirk several hours a week for discipleship. It's exciting to see his eagerness to learn the truth. His mom has also left the um, LDS church and has attended our services a couple times. And as a church, they just wrapped up a 10-week marriage seminar, and the purpose was to strengthen the marriages in their church. They also had a couple attend 
on and off who were active members of the LDS church. They were exposed to the gospel and the church community through it, and we pray it will make a lasting impact. And Kirk is meeting with three young men that are in their 20s and a couple of older ones on a regular basis to counsel and disciple and minister to them and mentor them. Um, please help us pray that their faith would be strengthened and that leaders for the church will be formed from these relationships. And their family is doing well. They are um, blessed to have each other and share in the rhythms of life. And by the end of next month, they're going to have four of their five children as teenagers. Lana is in her final year of high school and it's been such a joy to see her grow in Christ over the past couple of years. And she has a deep burden for her friends and she um, really leans into the opportunities to share the gospel with them. And we saw that when we were there too. She just has a deep heart for her friends. And Andrew um, is with her a lot as well. And he's praying for her and helping her answer questions um, of her friends. And as far as Kathy, she is staying pretty busy, homeschooling the three younger full-time and the older two part-time. Um, she also helps with events and ministries at the church and, is, and some couples, family counseling with Kirk. She's had several opportunities already to be involved in Merritt Academy where Lana and Andrew attend part-time to chaperone um, at school events and get to know their friends and their parents of their friends. And at this point, let's see, I will take the time to mention about the community, the, the area they live in, the ward. Um, they've been introduced to two men in their neighborhood who have been excommunicated from the LDS church but are seeking truth. They've had several conversations with them in searching for truth outside of the main teaching there. Kirk has been faithfully challenging them to seek the truth by searching the Bible. Please help us pray that they would be open to continue meeting and that they would place their trust in God and the God of the Bible. And also pray that we will have the health and strength, physical and mental, to continue in what God has called us to do and that we will keep ourselves faithfully in the word and seek rest as needed. And they want to thank Westwood tremendously for their partnership and encouragement to their family. Good morning. Um, this summer I had the opportunity, thanks to many of you actually, um, to go and participate in a program called City Project. Uh, through the Summit Church. Um, I could like explain to you all the things that I did um, throughout this like eight-week um, ministry, but that would take a lot of time and I don't have that much time. Um, but what I can tell you is um, like the point of City Project is to intentionally um, devote like a full summer to chasing after God and like pursuing my relationship with Him, even over um, like getting an internship or working, knowing that it's actually more um, beneficial and like more important for me to do that first. Um, so through City Project, I had the opportunity to go on two different trips, um, the first of which being to Denver um, to partner with a church plant of a church plant of Summit um, and like going and seeing how they are serving their community and to be able to serve them and learn from them. Um, so we spent time um, learning about the community, um, which is actually like a really dark place, really um, like spiritually uh, dark place, and also just like pretty barren in terms of like uh, religious 
religiosity. There's a lot of churches, but honestly, most of them are empty. Um, and the Heights Church, which is the one that I went to, um, is placed on Colfax Street, which is like the longest street in the country, actually, but it's not known for that. It's known for prostitution and drugs. Um, so like a really hard um, part of the part of the city, but um, even in that, we like saw the leaders of the church um, talk about like the joy they had in sacrificing um, and like leaving their lives and intentionally going um, and moving to Denver in order to be a part of a church plant um, to like faithfully serve the community. Um, so we went to a couple different college campuses and parks and um, like went prayer walking and sharing the gospel. Um, had like really cool conversations and we were able to share the gospel with people. Um, and city pro or Second City, there's a Second City team there, which is a group of students who spent their entire summer there, um, spent the summer like pouring into and, and befriending people and actually saw someone come to faith while they were there. Um, so that was the first trip. And then the second trip I went on was to New York, um, which the emphasis of that was reaching the nations. Um, we partnered with a program or a organization called Global Gates, um, which focuses on looking at specific uh, specific neighborhoods and people groups that live there. So I was in um, an area called Jamaica, but it was mostly Bangladeshi people that live there. Um, and so we spent the mornings with our field partner, Russell, and he taught us about the people. Um, most of them are um, believe in Islam and so how to reach them and how to serve them. Um, and so we talked to a ton of people and had a bunch of really cool conversations. People are actually like really spiritually hungry there um, and really like desperate to hear the truth. Um, but the most impactful um, situ or, like friendship that we made by far was with a man called, or a man named Schwan. Um, he was actually the wait waiter in one of our um, restaurants. <clears throat> Sorry, and he, like very quickly within meeting him, um, he just full on asked us, oh, do you believe in the Christ, like Jesus Christ? And we're like, oh, uh, yeah, we do, um, do you? And he said, no, but I think I might want to. Um, and so like in the process of only being there a week, um, we were able to um, connect him with our field partner who we actually already knew. Um, and I had the opportunity to sit down in a coffee shop with them and listen to our field partner, Russell, share the gospel with him in, Bang in Bangladeshi for an hour and 20 minutes and just sit there like silently praying and asking the Lord to work. And uh, God is faithful to save. And he did save Swan. Um, and so I like had the joy of sitting there and like listening to him accept Jesus into his heart um, and knowing that his name was like being written in the Lamb's Book of Life and knowing that the angels were rejoicing like with us. Um, so I think even like in that trip, I was honestly a little bit doubtful, like what's the point? Like, are we actually gonna be able to reach people in such a short amount of time? Um, and like God was really faithful to show me that like he is intentional and he's aware um, and like he's the one doing the work. Like it, genuinely, he did not ask much of us. We just went and talked to Schwann for a couple minutes and then like later introduced him to Russell who we already knew and then like sat there and listened. Um, and he believed like, um, He's not asking us to like save people because he knows that we can't. Um, he's the one who does the saving work. So he's just asking us to be um, obedient to what he's called us to do. So thank you. Well, good morning. We have that picture up there. There we go. I had the 
incredible joy and privilege of being asked uh, by Ben Durand, who uh, most of you know, he is a pastor in our community at North Roxboro Baptist Church and also um, the um, mission strategist for our local association, um, asked me to tag along with him on a trip to Edmonton, Alberta a couple of uh, weekends ago. And uh, so they had requested that we would come up and preach in a couple of churches and also lead in a, in a few breakout sessions for um, a conference that they were putting on for uh, all of the pastors and church leaders in this specific um, local uh, association of churches there in Edmonton. Um, our partner was named Nate uh, Vidoya. Um, he has lived and served there for the past uh, 12 years in Edmonton. Um, he is full-time with the North American Mission Board as a church planting catalyst. Uh, which simply means that he has been sent there to encourage and pour into and equip uh, all of the church planners, all of the churches in this specific area. He does work with these 32 churches in this specific association there in Edmonton. What is interesting about this association is that uh, about 90% of the churches are new church plants within the last 10 years. Um, what's also interesting is that none of the churches in this association look like us. Um, it is wonderfully and beautifully multicultural. Uh, in fact, he uh, took us on a whirlwind tour of several different uh, church services on the Sunday that we were there, including the ones that, that, that Ben and I were able to preach in. Uh, but that day, I was a part of a Chinese service. I was a part of a Filipino service. I was a part of an African service. And then I was a part of a small congregation made up of all kinds of people from all over the place. And it was just a beautiful thing to be a part of while I was there. Um, and it's uh, pretty incredible to see what the Lord is doing in this association with these pastors. And Nate did introduce us. Oh, this is a, just a picture of Edmonton there. Edmonton is a city of one and a half million people. It's not a small place. Um, but you could just tell as we rode through uh, the city. And Nate, I think, took us to every square inch of Edmonton while we were there. <laughs> Excuse me. He... Um, uh, as, we, as he drove us around, we would see these little tent cities popped up everywhere. And so what was very apparent to us was the prominent poverty that is here in Edmonton. And um, what was um, beautiful for us to see was Nate's heart for the disenfranchised and for those who were on the fringe of the city. Um, he has worked with a couple of um, housing ministries there um, and has put himself in the thick of ministering to those um, who have nothing to give back. And so to hear his heart Part for those people was really neat to hear. Uh, he also introduced us to several of the church planners uh, within this network of churches. And I certainly don't have time to go into all of their stories. In fact, I have been slowly uh, putting out Facebook posts, highlighting each person in this picture. And I will continue to do that over the next couple of weeks if you want to follow along and know how you can pray and be introduced to these, uh, to these brothers. Um, but what was just awesome to hear was just their audacious dreams for what God has called them to do in this city and beyond. Um, and as they shared these very clear uh, vision for their churches, for their people to follow, um, I kept going back to a passage from Ephesians uh, that we just worked through. Uh, it's the prayer in chapter 3 that says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power, <coughs> through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith 
that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And then especially verse 20 came to mind as I met with these brothers. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we uh, ask or think according to the power at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What I saw in these men was a belief in that. How do we know that we have come to know the length and the breadth and the height of Christ when that plays out in a belief that takes God at his word? And so when I heard these brothers share their dreams for their city and the vision that they have cast for their churches, What was clear to me was that passages like this in the scriptures aren't just things that these pastors have memorized and can articulate. They believe it. And our belief plays out in our actions. They believe that God is capable of that, that he is the God of the impossible. And what was clear to Ben and I is we went up there to challenge these brothers. And I think that we left more challenged by them than we challenged them which is always a byproduct of being a part of mission. So get your passport, Westwood, and be ready to go, okay? So that you can experience this type of blessing when you are among other brothers and sisters in other places. Um, A couple of other brothers and sisters that we were able to meet up in the top left there is Jean-Paul and his wife, Ben, preached at his church. Um, They are Rwandan. They have lived through the Rwandan genocide. They had incredible Uh, stories of God's faithfulness and what it looks like to truly take him at his word and believe him (laughs) and live out that belief. They are pastoring a church there and just have a tremendous heart for the city. An associate of his named Desiree, I enjoyed some time getting to know him. He has just been assessed as a church planner and is about to uh, embark on planning his own church. He hopes to be multicultural, and it was just cool to hear from him. And then the other two pictures of, are of um, a brother and sister from uh, China named Sukjay and Grace. Um, they were baptized in that river in Alberta in September, okay? And he demanded to be baptized there. Why? Because he said, I want to be the first in the church that I plant in, bat- in being baptized here. And he is almost done with seminary. And one of his professors found out that he hadn't been baptized. He said, Jay, why have you not been baptized? He said, there's nobody to baptize me. And he said, well, we will fix that. And Ben and I were blessed to be able to be there and to see he and his wife be baptized. Talking about audacious dreams, Suk Jay wants to plant a church in North Korea one day. Wow. You know what? I believe he will. I believe he will. That's his desire. This brother's name is Jeremiah. I can't wait to tell you more about him. We are working together uh, to put a video together where he, where he will share with you. If you remember a few Sundays back, we lined people up on stage and we talked about how everybody is in some relation to Christ and how discipleship is simply meeting people where they are and moving them one more step towards maturity in Christ. <coughs> this brother loves the trellis and the vine like we do. And uh, he loves technology. He is um, a software engineer. That's what he does. So he has developed a, an app and a framework for uh, whatever software he is using for discipleship. And in this uh, software, uh, he's been using it for about, for about 10 or 12 years now. He took me to not only three, but four generations and beyond of disciple making that he has been a part of as he has shared Christ in his city. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that he has discipled people who have begun to disciple people who have begun to disciple people who have begun to disciple people. 
So this young brother is not only a spiritual father, he's a spiritual grandfather and great-grandfather. And church, this is a picture of the intentionality that we need to have as we take God at his word to make disciples. So I can't wait for you to hear more about Jeremiah. He was a blessing to me. Uh, it was a joy to be there and be able to serve. A couple of prayer points for you. Uh, a couple ways you can pray. Number one, just for endurance and encouragement for these brothers and sisters. These pastors, I did not meet one pastor who was a pastor and nothing else. All of these brothers are bivocational uh, or volunteering as, as they're pastoring because they're pastoring small congregations and their heart is just to reach the city. <laughs> so just pray for endurance and encouragement for them. Pray for resources, mainly people who God would raise up to serve there. The Chinese church that I preached at has three congregations meeting in the same building, all according to the language that they speak. I preached in the English service uh, because that's what I speak. Um, but this smaller congregation within a congregation, this young lady, Naomi, is running the show because nobody is there to serve. They don't have a pastor. They don't have leaders there. So she's putting the services together and she's leading worship and she's doing all she can. Um, and they're inviting people to come in and preach each and every Sunday. Uh, so we need to pray for these brothers and sisters that God would raise people up to go to Edmonton and serve in these churches. And then finally, for ongoing opportunities to partner together. One thing that became apparent to me is that none of these churches had a student pastor or student ministry leader um, that was being paid by the church. Everyone is volunteer. They've fallen in the gap. Uh, they want to be there. They want to serve young people. They have no idea what they're doing. Um, so I am busy right now putting together a network uh, through Naomi's sister, Sharice, who is working with students in her church. And uh, one of the things that COVID blessed us with was being more uh, connected virtually. And so we're going to just start a virtual cohort for brothers and sisters up there who are working with students and uh, need encouraging and equipping. Uh, so you can pray for me as we get that going and uh, just that that would be a benefit to them. And then other ways that we can partner with them. I will close with one more story. Ben and I, over the course of a 25-minute Uber ride um, to the airport on Monday when we returned home, met D-Dai, and we shared the gospel with D-Dai. He uh, shared with us, he's from France, originally from an African country, uh, Muslim. He shared with us that he believes that no matter what God you believe in, no matter what religion you participate in, we're all worshiping the same God. And I was thinking, how am I going to speak back to that? And Ben looked over and said, well, I disagree with that. And I was like, well, that's one way to transition it. So D-Dai said, why? What, what do you believe? I got to tell D-Dai about propitiation. And I did that in about 10 minutes. And D-Dai responded by saying, I like that. That sounds very good. I don't know that I believe that, but I like that. <laughs> so I said, all right, D-Dai. Well, I would love to continue a conversation with him. So I gave him one of my cards um, and um, told him to please contact me. Uh, I told him about Jean-Paul. And I said, I think you would really enjoy getting to know Jean-Paul and his church. Um, left. Have not heard from D-Dai, but this past weekend, I get an email, and it is from the Spread Truth folks where we get our story tracks. And the way that our website is set up here at Westwood is there's a link that says, what is the gospel? And it takes you to the story website where, we can, where you can view an overview of creation, fall, rescue, restoration. And there's a place at the end of that where it says, do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to say yes to Jesus? And because it's our unique link, if anybody does that, it notifies us that somebody has said yes to Jesus. Well, I got an email saying somebody said yes to Jesus in Edmonton, Alberta this past weekend. And I don't know who it was because they didn't put their name, but he is the only one there that I gave that card to. He is the only one that had access to our website. He is the only one that could have been taken to that link. And I am believing that D-Dai 
says yes to Jesus. So will you pray for me or pray with us, pray with me for D-Die? Um, I'm praying that he will reach out. I'm going to get back on the Uber website, see if I can get a hold of him. Okay? Uh, but pray for D-Die. It was just a joy to be there, especially with Ben. He's such a good brother. Uh, just a good opportunity to be with him um, and a wonderful opportunity to get to know this city. And we'll let you know if there are further opportunities where we as association can come beside them. Thanks. Uh, Denise. Denise Cook, come on. Um, Denise and Bunny had the opportunity to go to Honduras this summer, and uh, Denise has had a relationship there. I'll let Denise explain that. Uh, we are thankful we've had Denise around here for a little while, but God is sending her on mission after today to Clemson, South Carolina, I believe, or somewhere near so, there. Seneca. Seneca, but South Carolina. Close. Uh, we are bummed about that, but I know she's going to be closer to family, but anyway, thank you, Denise. Thank you. Share. What a privilege it is to share um, about the summer and uh, our previous uh, relationship with our dear friends Kayla and Mario in Honduras. Bunny Paul and I went to Honduras post, well, pre-COVID. We went in 2019, and then for three years, nobody could go to Honduras because of COVID. And as of now, there's still some restrictions, but thank God that we were able to go this year. So Bunny and I went, and we traveled with a group from First Baptist Salisbury, who has a very large missions endowment and um, ordered thousands of dollars worth of medicine for us to take and, and give out while we were there. Uh, the work with our friends, Mario and Kayla, who you see, precious young couple, began over 10 years ago. Some A group of Baptist men and a group of people from Greensboro and our friends Pete and Debbie Teague from Salisbury um, met Kayla through a church uh, her dad pastored in Tegucigalpa. And since then, Kayla and Mario have been married, and Mario is the pastor of a church in um, Naranjal, which is where we stayed, very small village, a little scary, <laughs> if I'm honest, but um, Mario now is the pastor of that church. And the group that went over 10 years ago included my husband, and a group of people just decided, we want to continue the work that has already been started there. So we are a part, Bunny, Paul, and I, of a small, very small missions organization called Simple Matters. And we uh, support medical endeavors there. Uh, we support nutrition endeavors, and we also support scholarship money for students who, after the fifth grade, if they can't afford to go to school, they don't go to school. And so there are only elementary schools in these small, small villages. So it's a privilege to be a part of Simple Matters, but it was a privilege also for us to go this summer. Our activities included four medical clinics, uh, the construction of a bathroom for a church, 
that didn't have one and VBS activities for uh, children in very remote areas. It took us from Naranhal sometimes an hour and a half down a dirt road um, to get to these places. The last place we went was only, there was only a shed there. Well, I would call it maybe a little picnic pavilion uh, that you might see around here. But there's no church in this village. Um, but we were able to do a medical clinic there so we could um, just begin to make relationships and Mario and Kayla could make relationships and for the spread of the gospel. Uh, there are two doctors that helped us all week. Dr. Antonio, who has been around for a, a good while, he offers uh, free clinics every month to some uh, very remote areas. Dr. Jennifer, who um, we have known for a couple of years now, and she serves monthly in mobile medical clinics, delivering uh, prenatal vitamins, fo focusing on pregnant women and undernourished children. So um, it is really sad to see children who are underweight and just because of poverty and availability, uh, do not have medical care or proper nutrition. Bunny and I worked in the pharmacy, and neither of us are pharmacists, trust me, but uh, we gave away thousands of dollars of medication. Dr. Antonio and Dr. Jennifer saw over 450 patients in four days of medical clinics. Um, we offered prescription meds, uh, over-the-counter meds, and most of these places were, well, all the places were remote, but most of the little villages don't have a pharmacy, or you might have a little store that you could buy some Tylenol, but if you can't afford transportation to most likely take Isagapa, which is probably a couple hours away, um, you, you can't have medical care. So even something as simple as parasite medicine that is much needed, uh, prenatal vitamins, children's vitamins, Tylenol, um, and heart, heart medicine, blood pressure medicine, diabetes medicine. Uh, we gave away a lot of it, but unfortunately, it, it's just a fix for a couple of months. And so um, opportunities, though, for ministry and for gospel conversations took place while the medical clinics were going on. Gave Mario, a couple of other uh, pastors and church planters opportunity to share the gospel, sometimes knee to knee with these precious people coming for just some Tylenol maybe. So, um, you know, we don't know the work that we did, we don't know what the outcome of that would be. But we're going to trust the Lord that he does. And we're going to trust him that with these pastors that the gospel will go forth in these very underreached 
areas. Um, the blessing of going to a place and making relationships with the missionaries or the people in, in these areas has been that we have seen, we have planted a few seeds. We have seen, seen seeds planted, but now we're beginning to see some of the result of that. And it, what a blessing that we can. I'd just like to share with you just a couple of people uh, there's a young lady named Iris, who Iris now is in nursing school. Iris grew up in the village of Naranhal. Uh, she was poor. She went to the church where Mario and Kayla served. She went to the pastor's house that was the pastor there at one point um, to receive a cookie. It, it's a nutritional cookie which was sponsored by an organization called the Cookie Project. They mail these micro or macro nutrients, and then some local ladies make these cookies. So the children come to the, it was at the time, to the pastor's house. They get a cookie, and they get some milk, and then they began to see how these undernourished children are growing and thriving now. So Iris grew up receiving a cookie. She went to the church in Naranhal. In her older years, she was discipled one-on-one -on -one by Kayla. She um, received about three, maybe two or three years ago, a scholarship to attend nursing school. So for about less than $200 a month, she can go to nursing school. So she will finish in a few months, and Iris is already working with Dr. Jennifer, a friend of ours, by going uh, to remote areas and helping pregnant women with vitamins, health care, nutrition, and then undernourished children as well. So that disciple-making has, has paid off. She is a precious young lady near and dear to my heart. And then there's Erica. About 10 years ago, my husband was with a group who built a bathroom at Erica's house. And the gospel was pre presented to Erica, and she, she basically said no. And through follow-up with Mario and Kayla, and just love for her family and her precious children. The next year when he went back, Erica comes running out and could not wait to tell the group that she had accepted Christ. Erica is a thriving member of the church in Naranhal. Her son Jefferson was only five or six years old when this group built the bathrooms. Precious young boy. He has grown up as a result of Kayla's decision, to, I mean, of Erica's decision to follow Christ. He has grown up in the church. He has been discipled by Mario one-on-one -on -one and is now attending high school on a scholarship, $25 a month it takes to send him to high, well, middle school and high school. He is growing in his faith. He is sharing in his faith. Bunny and I had an opportunity to go to Erica's house this summer. She was experiencing some medical issues. Didn't have, she had been to the doctor. She could not find some of the medicines that she needed. Um, 
to help her. She actually was had some back issues and was not able to walk. So Bunny and I had a chance to go and to encourage her, to love on her, to pray with her, of course, with Kayla's help. And we had an opportunity to speak with Jefferson, her, her son. And what a privilege it is to see those seeds that were planted come to fruition. Um, I would ask you if you could pray for Mario and Kayla as they serve the village of Naranjal and these remote villages close by. And they are working now with other church pastors and church planters to, to make sure that the villages have at least someone to come and preach the gospel. Maybe weekly, may not, may not be, but every few weeks. But they are working hard to spread the love of Christ in these areas. Pastor Wilson and Pastor Flavio are doing the same. They are traveling to very remote areas, some of which Mario and Kayla have never been. Would you pray for Dr. Antonio and Jennifer as they offer their time freely for medical clinics every month in, in some of these same areas I've talked about? Carlos and Francisco, young men serving alongside Mario and Kayla and who will be attending seminary soon to become pastors. Would you pray that the gospel will be received and spread in, in Honduras? Buddy and I don't know what the outcome of our trip will be, but I know God is good and we have tasted that goodness. Thank you. So I hope you've noticed several things this morning, but one, and thank you, Denise, for sharing. And we are thankful for just how the Lord has allowed us to share our lives together with you and John for a season. You know, that's kind of what it is for a season. And we will pray for you as you uh, head to Clemson. Lord knows they need a Christian witness down there. Um, <laughs> in that orange country. I'm just kidding. So, um, but, but we are thankful for you. But have you noticed that Denise is not a college student? I'll tell you, can take that wherever you want to take it. And, and Emily is. So most of us would fall somewhere within that range. The point I want you to see is that all of us are sent all of us, from the youngest to the oldest, okay? And I really am so thankful for uh, Denise and John and Paul and Bunny and, and for, for their heart, for the kingdom and their heart to be on mission um, at, at their season of life and for ministries that involve Emily and our students, um, you know, high school age. So, all of us fall into one of these categories and all of us are sent. So, Denise, thank you uh, for sharing that. One of the things that's unique, I think, about our church is that our mission work entails a lot of different individuals and organizations that are not Southern Baptist. But we do gladly and wholeheartedly 
participate in the work that goes on within the Southern Baptist Convention in the area of missions. And one of the, one of the means that we do this and one of the organizations that is a real facilitator of that is Baptist on Mission. And if you've been around long enough, it used to be uh, Baptist Men or it's had different, different names, but Baptist on Mission um, here in North Carolina is, is one of the preeminent mission organizations really in the world. Um, you saw the video from Samaritan's Purse, but it's often Baptist on mission that are first on the ground in situations and circumstances, whether it's disaster relief or whatever. And I would encourage you to go to their website and just, if, if you're not real familiar with all the work that Baptist on mission do, um, just familiarize yourself with it because God has called every one of us to be a part of his work, to be sent. And Baptist on mission facilitates that in so many different areas. We're familiar with disaster relief. Um, in fact, I want you to take just a minute. You may have seen this if you're, if you're a part of Twitter or if you've uh, maybe been a part of some social media, but I want you to hear from Baptist on Mission even in regard to a work that's going on right now. So guys, if you'll run that, that real brief video. North Carolina Baptists are responding to Hurricane Ian and we are responding in a big way. This is one of our large feeding units capable of providing 30,000 hot meals per day. Today, we're doing 24,000 meals. To support that feeding effort, along with shower and laundry units, we have our tanker unit providing clean water. We also have chaplains working with survivors and our assessment teams. Recovery may be one of the biggest needs. Recovery crews are tarping roofs and removing trees down by the hurricane. We are here to help hurting people, and there are many opportunities to do that. People are in a desperate situation, and as North Carolina Baptists, we are offering help and hope in Jesus' name. Please continue to pray for the survivors and the volunteers who are serving them. Because of your generosity, we can respond, and we have these resources. Please also consider sending teams to come and help with the recovery effort. Thank you for praying, giving, and going. So whether, whether it's Ian in Florida, whether it's flooding in Kentucky, whether it's storms in Puerto Rico, um, all of these are opportunities for us to go and minister on a local level. And that's, that's true even here. Um, and I want encourage you, if you've not read John Piper, it's been out for a long time, but John Piper wrote a book years ago called Don't Waste Your Life. And his point in the book is that if we are not actively, personally involved in the eternal work of God's kingdom, specifically through carrying out the Great Commission, then indeed that life is very well being wasted. So just reflect on how you're spending your time, your energy, and your resources um, in that context. But he says in this book, uh, the people who stay in the homeland are surrounded by needs. And we only need eyes to see and hearts that can't walk by the other side. And he's referring, of course, to the story of the Good Samaritan. This is the challenge, excuse me, this challenge is not separate from the challenge of missions. And here's what Piper says, showing practical mercy to the poor displays the beauty of Christ at home and makes the exportation of the Christian faith credible. We are hypocrites to pretend enthusiasm for overseas ministries while neglecting the miseries at home. Something was wrong with the priest and the Levite in the story of the Good Samaritan. 
who had their distant religious aims but were not moved by the suffering close at hand. Ministries of mercy close at hand validate the authenticity of our distant concerns. So Baptist on Mission helps us meet needs here and also then facilitate the ministry and the work of missions in other places, such as Hungary and Ukraine, as we had the opportunity to send two different teams. Well, I went on one mission trip, and then we had some others, Rick and Karen Godwin and Colton Treadway, um, went to Ukraine then a couple of weeks later in a separate trip. So we're going to wrap it up today just talking a little bit about those trips. But I want you to hear also, um, after uh, Rick comes to share, I want you to hear from Alicia Jones. Alicia is a dear sister in Christ who kind of has been facilitating this work on the ground there in Hungary and in Ukraine um, through Baptist on Mission. So you'll hear from Alicia this morning. We're glad that you're here. Um, So Rick, if you'll come and um, share for just a minute. Where are you, brother? Oh, there you are. Yeah. You'll come. Colton is under the weather today. Colton Treadway um, is sick. Many of you don't know Colton. He and his wife are are really new in the life of our church. Uh, But I'll share a little bit of what Colton wrote, okay, after Rick comes. So, brother, thank you. Good morning, church. So I had the opportunity to go with my wife uh, to the Ukraine. We had signed up early for it, and we were just waiting to hear to get a call, and finally we did get a call. And I asked if it was open for us to take as many people as we wanted. And that's not usually the way they do things, but they said that they would allow that. So I also opened that up to my work, and one of my nurses went along with us for a medical mission to the Ukraine. So my wife, as you probably know, is a nurse, uh, and, and a nurse from the office and myself as, as the doctor for the team went. There were a total of uh, seven people that went over, and there, there are also two facilitators that were there while we were there. Um, and every step of the way, God was leading us where he wanted us to go. He was having us do the work that he wanted us to do. There was an incredible unity of purpose of the people who were there both our team and the people who were supporting us and helping us get to the places that we needed to be and help us with the equipment that we had were loving and giving and willing to spend their time doing whatever it is that we wanted them to do in any way that we could help. While we were there, we saw a, a variety of people, but as you heard in some of the other presentations, that those people don't necessarily look like us. These people look exactly like us. They look you could have taken any group of people there and set them in our congregation and you wouldn't have been able to tell who they were, uh, that they were any different than who we are. And these are people who uh, have led ordinary lives, who are doing the things that they normally do. They go to school, they go to church, and then suddenly disaster occurs and someone is bombing their homes and their families are being ripped apart as the men are required to stay so that they can fight and anyone else can try to flee the area if they can. There are many, uh, many members of the clergy, uh, many volunteers who choose to stay in areas that are being bombed so that they can continue the work of Christ and they can continue to help people escape if they can or to uh, endure if they can't escape. 
in addition to the Ukrainian people that we took care of, and these are what they called internally displaced people that had been in a, in a home in the Ukraine and were moving to an area that was having less fighting. In addition to those people, and we saw quite a number of those, we also got an opportunity to go to a church that was taking care of a group of Roma people. And the Roma people is disparagingly known as gypsies. And these are, are people who have no government and they have no representation and they live often nomadic lives because they don't have a place that is theirs. Um, we got a chance to go to a, a church organized by a uh, Ukrainian uh, individual. And uh, in this Roma church, they, when we were coming, they just happened to be doing a, a baptism. And that baptism was of seven new members, uh, seven people uh, that were part of the church that wanted to be baptized in Jesus' name. This is the first time they had done a baptism at this church. And when we went there, we spoke with the pastor a little bit, and it was the first baptism that the pastor had ever done. Now, what kind of an audience is it that I'm doing my first baptism on the first people in this church and people from a different part of the world to come and look at it? So while, while we were working with these people, um, we were looking over their medical problems and helping them with medications if we were able to help them with medications, and often we could. And they had access in, in the team to an ultrasound machine. And the people knew that we had access to an ultrasound machine, and everybody kept asking us to do ultrasounds. They especially wanted ultrasounds of their thyroid and their pancreas. Now, I am not an ultrasound tech, and we did not have an ultrasound tech with us, but I did the best I could with the ultrasounds, but I, I wanted to know why they wanted all these ultrasounds done. In this area that is experiencing war now, I found that many of the people that I was doing ultrasounds on were concerned about the possibility of cancer because they were Chernobyl survivors. This is an area that just does not know peace. So we did as many of those as we could. Uh, and fortunately, we didn't find many things that looked like it were a problem. Uh, unfortunately, while we were there, while my team was there, the State Department issued a warning that all U.S. citizens needed to leave the Ukraine and we needed to be gone on Wednesday. I found out about this Wednesday at 6.30 in the morning. I don't know exactly when the notice went out, but I found out about it at 6.30 in the morning. And the reason that they wanted us to leave is that that day was Ukrainian Independence Day. And they had reason to believe that uh, Russia was going to launch a new offensive. And they also had reason to believe that Russia was targeting U.S. citizens to take its hostages. Um, we got together and discussed it as a group, and we decided that we would obey the authorities as they had asked us to do. And we got in a vehicle to head toward the, the uh, checkpoint to get out of the country. Now, I don't know if you've ever been through a military checkpoint or not, but when we were coming into the country, there were six cars that needed to get in at the time that we were coming through. The six cars took three hours. Um, and that's just the way things work there. Uh, I don't know if it's specifically this checkpoint or if this is the way all checkpoints work, but uh, in six hours, I mean, sorry, in three hours, those six cars were able to go through. And now we have a call for all U.S. citizens to leave the country. 
we pack up our stuff and get in the vehicle and we drive to the checkpoint. And when we get to the checkpoint, there are three cars in front of us. It took about an hour and a half for us to go through the checkpoint, which is an amazing amount of time. And as we were pulling out, I looked behind me and there were at least 65 cars in a, in a line behind us. So leaving there was high priority, but God was continued to direct us and God continued to protect us and, and take care of us while we were there. On that day, there were over 200 sorties by uh, Russian forces, and they've started using cruise missiles to attack new uh, civilian areas that they had not been targeting previously. So we had the correct information and we did what we needed to do. Since we were, since we were leaving two days before we thought we would be leaving, we did go to, back into Hungary, which is where we came out of. And we did do one day of work in a warehouse in Hungary. And I am a doctor, I did do warehouse work, I don't ever want to do it again. <laughs> um, the, for the prayer for the people in this area, I first of all ask you to pray for God to be in the area, to God to touch the people there, for there to be more, for there to be peace in the region, which is certainly what they need, but continue to, to lift up the people uh, that have common purpose, God's people working together to help believers and non-believers in, in a terrible situation. For strength and perseverance of God's people to do God's work and God's will at the risk of their own lives. And also for opportunity for there to continue to be one true hope in an area that is really desperate for it. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Um, what a blessing. What a blessing to hear of all these good reports of how God has been at work in and through you all here at Westwood. My name is Alicia Jones, and uh, I was uh, raised in Raleigh, so not too far uh, from here. And uh, God called me as a young teenager to give my life to full-time ministry. Uh, I was raised at Fairview Baptist uh, in south side of Raleigh. And um, when I, I finished seminary, or I was actually in the 2 plus 2 program at Southeastern, God called me to go and serve in Europe. Uh, not the exact place that I had thought was the ends of the earth that he would call me to, uh, but I, I can testify that being obedient to God and going where he tells you to go is the best choice. And uh, I just rejoice in all that I have seen God do. And it has been well said today, well preached today, the truth that God's word does not come back void. Um, and it always accomplishes what it is sent to do. Um, I, I sat down here in your church this morning and um, seeing Pastor Gerald reminded me of when he uh, stood up in the, the Roma Gypsy Church there in Ukraine. Uh, and he shared God's word and I got to translate for him very clearly and very directly. And um, that baptism uh, that, that Dr. Rick uh, could see and be a part of, uh, I wasn't there, but I got a picture of it and I put it in my slideshow for you all today. Because sure enough, I believe that that baptism is a result of pe people being obedient to God and going when he says go. And we don't know what part of that making disciples process we might be in someone's life. 
But God sees the big picture, and that's why we're listening to him. That's why we're searching for what he has for us. You can actually go back to that first slide, and I'll take you through real quick. I just want to encourage you in three ways today. Um, I've been serving for about 10 years now, and, and I just have three things to say about missions, if you'll allow me to do that today, because it's God's mission that we're joining, and it's something exciting, and, and, and being a part of that gives us purpose and life in every way. And as you look at these pictures up there, I just made a collage of pictures that to me show poverty. Because when you see poverty with your own eyes, when you, when you step out of your regular life and you just open your eyes to see what is in this world, the brokenness and the depth of brokenness, then you're going to want to be on mission. But what was interesting in my life is when I saw physical brokenness and, and physical poverty. I mean, that, that child I'm teaching in the bottom right picture is an orphan in that picture. And I hurt for him and his eight brothers and sisters. And I could do so little, but I realized that even physical poverty is outweighed by the, the devastation of spiritual poverty when people don't know Jesus. And that's why we can rejoice over the pictures on the left where, where a principal that grew up in a communist era and never set foot in a church his entire life at the age of 63 gave his life to Christ and now is a, an active believer in our church plant in his community. Praise God, because he sees the depth of poverty. And you can go to the next slide. When I went for the first time in 2010 to Ukraine, actually, to be a part of the Roma partnership that Baptistal Mission had there, uh, I saw poverty. I got to be a part of what God was doing. But you know what it forced me to do? It forced me to go home and pray. And I prayed hard for six months. I didn't know, God, is that where you want me? I have been praying my whole life. God, bless me. And it's a good thing to ask God to bless you. May he bless each and every person and child in this room in such ways that you can go and bless others. And six months of praying, God affirmed in my heart, although I was a student at Southeastern, I had an, uh, an application already to go to the IMB. God said, yes, I want you to go back there where you experienced just for 10 days. I don't know that that's necessarily for everybody, but that was my path. That was just a 10-day mission trip that I got to meet and see these people. But it's prayer that gets us on mission. It's God that gets us on his mission. It's talking to him. So you want to know what you need to go home and do today? You need to go home and pray. Talk to him about what you've heard, what many reports of his work all over this world. You can go to the next slide. And so I went back about a year and a half later after praying for six months. So then I had a year and a half to continue praying and prepar preparing for serving uh, in this little Hungarian-speaking corner of Ukraine, if I can call it that. And there you see that I got to start a preschool, a dream I had uh, for that community and something I prayed for them. But um, unfortunately, poverty and brokenness isn't far removed from any of us because six months into my work there— um, the relationship with the pastor kind of fell apart. His expectations over me was more concerned with money rather than me serving. And so I left Ukraine, and I was brokenhearted. I had made good friends. I had begun uh, working hard on the language, and all I knew was God called me on his mission, 
So he's going to show me where he wants me to go. You can go to the next slide there. And I had no idea what joys and what journeys God had ahead in the last nine and a half years since then. But he took me into a community that's pictured there, the church building in uh, a Hungarian-speaking area in Romania, actually, uh, nearby where all these countries touch up. They're kind of like states in America, uh, but they're actually countries with different languages and border crossing checkpoints and everything else. Uh, But in that community, all I can do is just report that God is good. Because we went over there together with my ministry partner. I forgot to introduce her. I meant to do that at the beginning. Tundi Toth from Hungary is here with me. Um, Come and and speak to us after if you have time. Uh, But we went over there together. Uh, We met right before working on this uh, work together. And there was this main church, and then there were five villages. And the villages had church plant efforts. They were meeting in people's yards, as you see in the bottom right picture there. And uh, over the last nine and a half years, we have seen leaders raised up to do the spiritual work there, and four out of those five villages today met in a warm church building uh, protected from, from the elements. So praise God for that good work, and, and I continue to pray for that work. We continue to try to invest in them, but from afar, uh, because God took us on to many other things. You can go to the next slide. Uh, in 2012, Hungarian Baptist Aid, our partner organization, received the, the um, job of running 49 schools, preschools, and high schools all over Hungary. Uh, from the government. Public schools just handed together with a check to run them. And they have been doing that faithfully for now 10 years. We just celebrated that anniversary. And so the door of all of these schools were open to Hungarian Baptist Aid and to us, Baptist on Mission, their partner for gospel ministry. And so Tundi and I, uh, we in 2014 started working in this particular school pictured in that snowy picture uh, in our community where that pastor, I mean that principal, sorry, that principal that you saw in the baptism in the river uh, gave his life to Christ at our summer camp that was put on by a, a team from North Carolina from Fairview Baptist for 10 days. And he accepted the gospel, and he's been a changed man ever since. And and there, God has given us the door to raise up a generation. Just a year and a half ago, I got to see the graduating class of first graders when we arrived to do the first summer camp. And and they get to hear Bible stories in our Bible classes. They've received Bibles at the end of camps. Um, There, I'm in a preschool in the bottom left picture, uh, teaching about Noah's Ark, stories that these children would have never heard otherwise. They had no access to these things. Their parents don't take them to church, even if there is a church building in the town. But in their schools, in their preschools, for nine solid years, they've been hearing the gospel. And I just pray that he will raise up a new generation that knows him there. You can go to the next slide. It's God that gave us the strength to keep doing all these things because missions isn't easy. So God's going to get you on mission, but it's God's strength that's going to keep you there. I would have left a long time ago if he had not uh, sent his spirit to be with me and his hand was upon me because I know that in my own strength I couldn't press on. And that is exactly how I felt in the last six months, almost every day when I woke up, that I can't do this today, but God, if you come, I'll go with you. And we can do this together. And, and there's that picture of that baptism uh, that Dr. Rick got to be a part of. And actually, Dr. Rick, I really um, was so sad that you, your team was the only team that Tundi and I did not get to meet out of 25 teams that we have seen this year. Um, so I really hated I was grieved that I couldn't be a part of that baptism and that I wasn't there that week. Um, just things in our own life. We had to pack up our house and move 
that exact week um, in the midst of all that. But I briefly want to tell you in, in the last few minutes I share about how God gave us strength in these months and how he's accomplishing his own mission. Um, it, it's just our joy to take part in that. And, and the story goes as such that when I heard rumors of this war, I, I, I lived together uh, with Tundi and her, her brother in a house in the corner of Hungary right next to the Ukrainian border. And I, I thought to myself, the Lord spared me of being over there when the war broke out uh, over the Donetsk region back years ago. He, he knew already, and he gave me and my mother, who's here today, too, uh, peace over the fact that I, I could be uh, in Hungary and not in, in danger's way. But when this war and rumors of war began uh, to be uh, dispersed by the media and also among the people where I lived, um, I'll be honest, I was frightened. And I was scared. I started having dreams of World War II times and, and what might happen. And, and, and I began asking God, what do I do if a war breaks out as a single young woman missionary here? And uh, the, the day that the war broke out on February 24th, I, I did my typical. I was in the schools and the preschools from morning until uh, 4 o'clock. Then I got on a Zoom meeting when I got home to, to talk about some discipleship work that we were doing with some of the teachers and um, a team from North Carolina preparing to come. And, and as soon as I hung up from that, it was about 5.30, I opened my email. And there I had been copied on an email from Richard Brunson, the director of Baptist on Mission, sent to the Hungarian Baptist aid president saying, we heard the war broke out. We're ready to help. And God used that one line, that one email that I was just copied on to speak directly to my heart and said, you see, I'm in control. I placed you here for such a time as this. And in that moment, I surrendered. I said, okay, God, I, I came here because you called me and I'll stay here because you called me. But it's his call and it's his, his spirit that speaks to us on a day-to-day -day basis that we need to know that we're in the right place and we're doing what he wants us to and I surrendered to that. And from that moment on, I can confess to all of you with great confidence that I had no more fear. I was crossing checkpoints at 1030 and 11 o'clock at night, sometimes by myself, but never an ounce of fear because I knew my God is greater. And if my God placed me there, then he will take care of me there. And he sure enough did. And he opened the door for us to do countless ministry. Here you see people coming to know Christ because of, of being able to take teams and, and Pastor Gerald to preach the word to them. Those ladies, probably the faces are familiar to him because he was speaking straight into their eyes one Wednesday evening. And, and there they gave their lives to Christ because uh, he, he was brave to share the word. And we were brave to go into a war-torn country because God said go. And there you see a, a group of young children enjoying a summer camp when all they knew was just a country at war, and we brought them hope and joy for a week. And then you see me there in the downtown of, of the village that we, we drove in and out of in Ukraine, and, and we really just crossed the border. So we were, we were close to Hungary, and it was a blessing that we could still serve people that have run from the east and piled all up along the Hungarian uh, border, right, in what they consider the safest corner of Ukraine. But it's interesting, and it was interesting for me, and um, I, that's why I even wanted to take a picture there in that town, that, that after nine and a half years, God took me back to a place that I had started in missions, and that was in Ukraine. It was very special and, and rewarding to me. He brought me victory where, where I had had brokenness. And he brought me great joy where I had had brokenness. And I think this is God's miracle 
of erasing our pain and rewriting it with joy. You can go to the last slide there. Because uh, when I lived in, um, or when I went over a few times before I ever moved to Ukraine, you can see in the bottom picture there that's attached to the bottom, a, a young girl with the white um, hat on her head. This little girl, um, Avi, she just absolutely adored me. And she, she would come over to my house. She would show up on the last bus just by accident so that she could spend the night at my house when I was a young missionary there. And I loved her too. And, and leaving her and then her parents, which are pictured by behind Tundi in the blue dress, behind her, uh, that man and woman is her parents. Uh, they, they just poured into me when I got there. And, and um, I hated when I had to say goodbye to them. But the joy that God gave me was that um, after nine and a half years, they were the very first ones that we reconnected with when the war broke out. And we headed to the border to help them get 32 people from their village to safety across the border. And in the last six months, we've continued to encourage one another. We've watched God do great things in each other's lives. And there she is pictured, AVK, with her. Um, that's her younger brother, the big guy, but the little boy in my arms and the baby in hers are her son and daughter that God has blessed her with. And uh, we got to go with her parents there to a huge Christian concert in the middle of Budapest. Uh, even Michael W. Smith came and visited Hungary. And uh, we got to celebrate right in the middle of, of war, that God is good. And nearly 10,000 people gathered that day to sing praises to his name in the neighboring country of the one at war. So continue to pray for, for the crisis in Ukraine. Pray for the people in Ukraine. Uh, I didn't have time, and I wish I had, to explain all that we've heard of the, the explosion of belief in, within the borders of Ukraine, the way pastors and pastors' wives are, are risking their lives for the sake of the gospel, because it is the gospel that is the hope that people need in wartime. So pray, pray hard that God would, would get you into his mission, that he would bless you, that he would bless those people, and that he would give you the strength to stay on mission, and pray that he would accomplish his mission, which is the salvation of people and building a nation for himself. God bless all of you here at Westwood. If you have time after, come see me. I'll give you a prayer card and also a, a recent magazine of all that God has been doing through Baptist on Mission in recent times. Thank you. As I mentioned, Colton um, is, is new to our church and, and relatively new to the faith. He, he sent me his notes that he was going to share today and um, one of the things he said was, uh, I don't think I'm the best person to talk about uh, mission trips or evangelism. It's hard to, um, I'm, I'm reading this in his notes, it's hard to share the word when you are so new to it yourself. But then he goes on, as, as he and I talked about before he left, um, just as he saw the hurt and the pain and all that was going on around him, how he was heartbroken over that, but then recognized that you know, I'm receiving much more than I'm able to give in a situation like this by just seeing God work and move and being under the influence and leadership of, of other brothers and sisters in Christ. Colton was talking about that. And, and all of us who've ever gone anywhere, and I would say whether you've gone back behind us to our community or whether you've gotten on a plane and going somewhere else, you, you can say, yeah, I've, I've received much more than I've been able to give in that situation simply because that's how God works. That's, that's just the way he works. Um, Alicia, thank you for sharing today. And, and one of the things that you heard from her is, is that life looks different in war. It is different. It's not 
what she was going to expect. It's not what any of us would expect. But again, and I refer to, to Piper's book about don't waste your life. Church, here's the deal. We are at war, whether we are in the Ukraine or whether we are right here in our own neighborhood, because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers. It's against the spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly places, as Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians. And we suffer here in the American church from the sickness of comfort. And comfort keeps us from seeing the wars that go on around us. Those wars may be in the life of a, of a young girl who's pregnant. Those wars may be going on in the life of a couple that's struggling with marital issues, or those wars may be going on between governments in a place like Ukraine. But we are in that place. And without that wartime mentality, church, we're more concerned with our own comforts and with our own situation maintaining itself than we are with recognizing the needs of, of what's going on around us. And I just appreciate, uh, Alicia, you sharing that. Um, I appreciate your heart. We're thankful for your leadership. Teresa, thank you for all you do and keeping Richard and all that crowd straight by down there and, and just putting together so much of this work. But I hope you've been challenged today. I hope you've been encouraged. You will hear more about this. Indeed, this does fit into everything that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Um, and, and you've heard a lot of stories. You've heard a lot of recounting. You've heard a lot of testimonies. Um, but God has called each one of us to be a part of stories like you've heard today, all right? Every single one of us are called to be a part of a story like that. I'm in the ministry today because of a short-term mission trip, and God may not call you to that, but like Colton and like Dr. Rick and like Denise and like everyone else that you've heard today and, and what you could hear from hundreds of people over the years here at Westwood is that your life will be changed if you will simply say yes. Say yes. Not necessarily to go somewhere. Just say yes. And so the application from everything you've heard today is what Alicia shared with you. Go home and pray. And just say, Lord, what, what would you have me do? What would you have me do? And for some of you today, it may be coming to faith. Just putting your, putting your heart, putting your life in the hands of Christ. Just turning from your sin and your rebellion and trusting in Jesus for the first time. Stop wasting your life. Stop wasting your life in this under-the-sun world where we are for a short time. There is an eternity. And the way to be prepared for that eternity is through faith in Christ. And then the way to spend your life with that in, 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 in your eyes, with that on your heart, is by committing your life to just follow Him wherever He leads. All right? Let me pray for us as we close. God, thank you today for all these, um, the testimonies, uh, the stories, all of them recount and point to your faithfulness, Lord. To, to being able to sit and listen as a brother shares the gospel in another language and pray through that. To being a part of a, a, a medical team, to being a part of seeing lives torn apart by war, to being a part of being able to just uh, see your work in Canada. Lord, to be able to, to see and testify to just how good you are in Utah as, as, a, as a state that's just, you know, a, a region that's just so immersed in man-made religion and needing Jesus. Lord, we pray um, for, for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And we pray, Lord, for us as a church, and we pray for uh, Lisa, we pray for Teresa, we pray, Lord, for others that are serving in different places. God, thank you that we can partner together with so many different organizations and, and individuals. Um, but Lord, it is one day that we look forward to where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and a people from every tribe and tongue and nation will stand before your throne. Lord, give us a heart and a hunger to see that come about and to be a part of that. And we humbly ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.